The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Chapter 15 The Discovery of Oz The Terrible The four travelers walked up to the great gate of Emerald City and rang the bell. After ringing several times, it was opened by the same guardian of the gates they had met before. What? Are you back again? He asked in surprise. Do you not see us? answered the scarecrow. But I thought you had gone to visit the Wicked Witch of the West. We did visit her, said the Scarecrow. And she let you go again? asked the man in wonder. She could not help it, for she is melted, explained the Scarecrow. Melted? Well, that is good news indeed, said the man. Who melted her? It was Dorothy, said the lion gravely. Good gracious, exclaimed the man, and he bowed very low indeed before her. Then he led them into his little room and locked the spectacles from the great box on all their eyes, just as he had done before. Afterward, they passed on through the gate into the Emerald City. You know, the, the spectacles are an interesting, now that I th- uh, an interesting artifact now that I think about it. So, the spectacles made everything appear to be green, even if they were not green. So, there are two ways that you can make people believe what they're seeing. Either you actually make everything around them that way, like the the, uh, first people did, the munchkins, the munchkins, they made everything blue. And now, this guy wants to make everything green. But he didn't make everything green. He just made everyone think that what they're seeing is green. Fascinating indeed. So he basically made a veil of deception in front of the eyes of the people and made them believe that what they're saying seeing is green. So you could either have it in reality that way or you can create a veil of deception so that people believe it. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Uh, When the people heard... Okay. Afterward, they passed on through the gate into the Emerald City. When the people heard from the Guardian of the Gates that Dorothy had melted the Wicked Witch of the West, they all gathered around the travelers and followed them in a great crowd to the Palace of Oz. The soldier with the green whiskers was still on guard before the door, but he let them in at once, and they were again met by the beautiful green girl, who showed each of them them to their old rooms at once, so they might rest until the great Oz was ready to receive them. This time he didn't say when they'll meet. The soldier had the news carried straight to Oz that Dorothy and the other travelers had come back again after destroying the Wicked Witch. But Oz made no reply. They thought the Great Wizard would send for them at once, but he did not. They had no word from him the next day, nor the next, nor the next. The waiting was tiresome and wearing. At last, they grew vexed that Oz should treat them in so poor a fashion, after sending them to undergo hardships and slavery. So the scarecrow at last asked the green girl to take another message to Oz, 
saying if he did not let them in to see him at once, they would call the winged monkeys to help them and find out whether he kept his promises or not. When the wizard was given this message, while it's not the smartest idea to threaten the most powerful wizard on in the land with the threat of winged monkeys, is it? That's nothing more than a nuisance for him. But all right. On the other hand, if they were simply a nuisance, why didn't he just go and kill the Wicked Witch of the West himself, if she was such a problem? Why did he have to send a band of misfits? Oh, so that he wouldn't have to grant them the wish, probably. But why didn't he want to grant them the wish? What does he gain by not granting them the wish? That's something worth thinking about. When the wizard was given this message, he was so frightened that he sent word for them to come to the throne room at four minutes after nine o'clock the next morning. He had once met the winged monkeys in the land of the west. He did not wish to meet them again. Ah, so the most powerful wizard is scared of the winged monkeys. The four travelers passed a sleepless night, each thinking of the gift Oz had promised to bestow on him. Dorothy fell asleep only once and then she dreamed she was in Kansas, where Aunt Em was telling her how glad she was to have her little girl at home again. Promptly at nine o'clock the next morning, the green-whiskered soldier came to them, and four minutes later, they all went into the throne room of the Great Oz. Of course, each one of them expected to see the wizard in the shape he had taken before, and all were greatly surprised when they looked about and saw no one at all in the room. They kept close to the door and closer to one another, for the stillness of the empty room was more dreadful than any form of the than any of the forms they had seen Oz take. Oh, hmm. Well, why would it be dreadful? Because now you do not know what form the what form the other person has taken, right? But that's really a really surface layer interpretation of what is going on over here. Why was the stillness of the empty room more dreadful? Was he then was he then one of the other comrades that were or one of the other people, one of the other characters that had gone about to try to kill the witch, wicked witch of the West? Did he take one of those forms? That would be fascinating. Anyway, presently they heard a solemn voice that seemed to come from somewhere near the top of the great tome, and it said, I am Oz, the great and terrible. Why do you seek me? They looked again in every part of the room, and then seeing no one, Dorothy asked, Where are you? I am everywhere, answered the voice, but to the eyes of common mortals, I am invisible. Is he green? That way he becomes invisible. I will now seat myself upon my throne that you may converse with me. Indeed, the voice seemed 
just then to come straight from the throne itself. So they walked toward it and stood in a row, while Dorothy said, We have come to claim our promise, O Oz. What promised? asked Oz. You promised to send me back to Kansas when the wicked witch was destroyed, said the girl. And you promised to give me brains, said the scarecrow. And you promised to give me a heart, said the tin woodman. And you promised to give me courage, said the cowardly lion. Is the wicked witch really destroyed, asked the voice. And Dorothy thought it trembled a little. Yes, she answered. I melted her with a bucket of water. How would Oz not know this if he's the most powerful wizard of them all? And how did the wicked, how did the witch of the north, I think, know that the witch of the east was dead then? I mean, if the witch of the north got the information, then why didn't the why didn't Oz get the information? That's the point I'm trying to make. Dear me, said the voice, how sudden. Well, come to me tomorrow, for I must have time to think it over. You've had plenty of time already, said the tin woodman angrily. We shan't wait a day longer, said the scarecrow. You must keep your promises to us, exclaimed Dorothy. The lion thought it might be as well to frighten the wizard. So he gave a large, loud roar which was so fierce and dreadful that Toto jumped away from him in alarm and tipped over the screen that stood in a corner. As it fell with a crash, they looked that way, and the next moment all of them were filled with wonder, for they saw standing in just the spot the screen had hidden, a little old man with a bald head and a wrinkled face, who seemed to be as much surprised as they were. The tin woodman, raising his axe, rushed towards the little man and cried out, Who are you? I am Oz, the great and terrible, said the little man in a trembling voice. But don't strike me. Please don't. I'll do anything you want me to. Our friends looked at him in surprise and dismay. I thought Oz was a great head, said Dorothy. And I thought Oz was a lovely lady, said the scarecrow. And I thought Oz was a terrible beast, said the tin woodman. And I thought Oz was a ball of fire, exclaimed the lion. No, you are all wrong, said the little man meekly. I have been making believe. Making believe, cried Dorothy. Are you not a great wizard? Hush, my dear, he said. Don't speak so loud, or you'll be overheard, and I should be ruined. I'm supposed to be a great wizard. (laughs) <laughs> the goal that they aim to achieve has come undone. Now they don't know how to achieve what they wanted to. The great wizard of Oz turned out to be a fraud. Making believe. Then what about all the others? And aren't you? she asked. Not a bit of it, my dear. I'm just a common man. You're more than that, said the scarecrow, in a grieved tone. You're a humbug. Exactly so, declared the little man, rubbing his hands together, as if it pleased him. I am a humbug. But this is terrible, said the tin woodman. How shall I ever get my heart? Or I, my courage, asked the lion. Or I, my brains. 
wailed the scarecrow, wiping the tears from his eyes with a with his coat sleeve. Oh, my dear friends, said Oz, I pray you not to speak of these little things. Think of me, the terrible trouble I'm in at being found out. Doesn't anyone else know you're a humbug? asked Dorothy. No one knows it but you four and myself, replied Oz. I have fooled everyone so long that I thought I should never be found out. It was a great mistake, my ever letting you into my throne room. Usually I will not see even my subjects, and so they believe I am something terrible. But I don't understand, said Dorothy in bewilderment. How was it that you appeared to me as a great head? That was one of my tricks, answered Oz. Step this way, please, and I will tell you all about it. He led the way to a small chamber in the rear of the throne room, and they all followed him. He pointed to, a, to one corner, in which lay the great head, made out of many thicknesses of paper, and with a carefully, carefully painted face. This I hung from the ceiling by a wire, said Oz. I stood behind the screen and pulled a thread to make the eyes move and the mouth open. But how about the voice? she inquired. Oh, I am a ventriloquist, said the little man. I can throw the sound of my voice wherever I wish, so that you thought it was coming out of the head. Here are the other things I used to deceive you. He showed the scarecrow, the dress and the mask he had worn when he seemed to be the lovely lady, and the tin woodman saw that his terrible beast was nothing but lot of skins, soon together with slats to keep their sides out. As for the ball of fire, the false wizard had hung that also from the ceiling. It was really a ball of cotton, but when oil was poured upon it, the ball burned fiercely. Really, said the scarecrow, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for being such a humbug. I am, I certainly am, answered the little man sorrowfully, but it was the only thing I could do. Sit down, please. There are plenty of chairs, and I'll tell you my story. Ha ha! Why would a man try to deceive the rest of the world to become the king? Very questionable indeed. So they sat down and listened while he told the following tale. I was born in Omaha. Why, that isn't very far from Kansas, cried Dorothy. No, but it's farther from here, he said. So that's how he knew Kansas. No, but it's farther from here, he said, shaking his head at her sadly. When I grew up, I became a ventriloquist, and at that... I was very well trained by a great master. Think about it. Ventriloquists are... Is one very complex world, word that you're bound to come across as a child. Right. Because, I mean, they're an artist that primarily entertain children. I, as an adult, adult, do enjoy watching them because those are interesting. But... Nonetheless, that's one of the more complex words a child would know. And professions, I guess. I became a ventriloquist, and at that I was very well trained. I was very well trained by a great master. 
I can imitate any kind of bird, any kind of a bird or beast. Here he mewed, mewed, meowed. So like a kitten, that Toto pricked up his ears and looked everywhere to see where she was. After a time, continued Oz, I tired of that and became a balloonist. What is that? asked Dorothy. A man who goes up in a balloon on circus day, so as to draw a crowd of people together and get them to pay to see the circus, he explained. Oh, she said, I know. Well, one day I went up in a balloon and the ropes got twisted so that I couldn't come down again. It went way up above the clouds, so far that a current of air struck it and carried it many, many miles away. For a day and a night, I traveled through the air, and on the morning of the second day, I awoke and found the balloon floating over a strange and beautiful country. It came down gradually, and I was not hurt a bit, but I found myself in the midst of a strange people, who seeing me come from the clouds, thought I was a great wither great wizard. Of course I let them think so, because they were afraid of me. Of course I let them think so, because they were afraid of me and promised to do anything I wished them to do. I wished them to. Yeah, well, the story of power. Just to amuse myself and keep the good people busy, I ordered them to build this city and my palace, and they did it all willingly and well. Then I thought, as the country was so green and beautiful, I would call it the Emerald City. And to make the name fit better, I put green spectacles on all the people, so that everything they saw was green. But isn't everything here green? asked Dorothy. No more than in any other city, replied Oz. But when you wear the green spectacles, why of course, everything you see looks green to you. The Emerald City was built a great many years ago, for I was a young man when the balloon brought me here, and I am a very old man now. But my people have worn green glasses on their eyes so long that most of them th think it is, it really is an Emerald City. And it certainly is a beautiful place, abounding in jewels and precious metals, and every good thing that is needed to make one happy. You can't eat jewels, you can't eat precious metals, you can't drink it, you can't... S well, you can see it, but it brings no entertainment, it brings no joy. It's only in the instrumental value, the functional value of these that they bring joy. Why would he bring these up to, to explain that it has every good thing that is needed to make one happy? Seems a bit odd, at the very least. I have been good to the people, and they like me. But ever since this palace was built, I have shut myself up and would not see any of them. One of my greatest fears was that the, was the witches. For a while, I had no magical powers at all. I soon found out that the witches were really able to do wonderful things. There were four of them in this country, and they ruled the people who lived in the north and south and east and west. Fortunately, the witches of the north and south were good, and I knew they would do me no harm. 
but the witches of the east and west were terribly wicked. And had they not thought I was more powerful than they themselves, they would have sure they would surely have destroyed me. <coughs> I apologize. As it was, I lived in deadly fear of them for many years. So you can imagine how pleased I was when I heard your house had fallen on the wicked witch of the east. When you came to me, I was willing to promise anything if you would only do away with the other witch. But now that you have melted her, I am ashamed to say that I cannot keep my promises. Well, being honest is important. Dorothy, until this point, has been honest. And so has every other participant in this journey. They've all been honest with each other. The only character that has been dishonest till now, it was Oz. And he was dishonest in a very peculiar way. He was dishonest to gain more power or rather to consolidate the position that he had. He was greedy. Yeah. Oh no, dear, my dear, I am really a very good man, but I'm a very bad wizard, I must admit. Can't you give me brains? asked the scarecrow. You don't need them. You are learning something every day. A baby has brains, but it doesn't know much. Experience is the only thing that brings knowledge, and the longer you are on earth, the more experience you are sure to get. Well, that's what we've been saying since the beginning. That may all be true said the scarecrow, but I shall be very unhappy unless you give me brains. The false wizard looked at him, looked at him carefully. Well, he said with a sigh, I am not much of a magician, as I said, but if you will come to me tomorrow mornings, I will stuff your head with brains. I cannot tell you how to use them, however. You must find that out for yourself. <sighs> Yeah, that's a problem. What will you do with the brains, but you don't know how to use it? That's... Yeah, I, that's a pretty poor deal. Oh, thank you. Thank you, cried the scarecrow. I'll find a way to use them, never fear. But how about my courage? asked the lion anxiously. You have plenty of courage, I am sure, answered Oz. All you need is confidence in yourself. There is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. The true courage is in facing danger when you are afraid. And that kind of courage you have in plenty. Perhaps I have. But I'm scared just the same, said the lion. I shall really be very unhappy unless you give me the sort of courage that makes one forget he is afraid. Very well, I'll give you that sort of courage tomorrow, replied Oz. How does he plan on doing that, though? How about my heart? asked the Tin Woodman. Why, as for that, answered Oz, I think you are wrong to want a heart. 
It makes most people unhappy. If you only knew it, you are in luck not to have a heart. Perspective matters. I want to go back to the line the lion said. And and more so the reply I pause. All you need is confidence in yourself. There is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. That is true, right? You're always going to fear things that are unknown to you or that have a certain amount of risk attached and which you've never done before, right? So, I mean, things that you've never done before, you attach a higher risk to it. And things that you have done before, you attach a lower risk if that went uneventfully, even though that not might that not ne- might necessarily be true at all. The true courage is in facing danger when you are afraid. And that kind of courage you have in plenty. That is true again. I mean, you have to have the courage to take on the risk and not be afraid by the risk itself. And if you have that courage, if you're not, if you're not deterred by the fear itself, then you're courageous. All right, let's go back to the Tin Woodman. If you only knew it, you are in luck not to have a heart. That must be a matter of opinion, perspective opinion, said the Tin Woodman. For my part, I will bear all the unhappiness without a murmur. If you will give me a heart. Very well, answered Oz meekly. Come to me tomorrow and you shall have a heart. I have played wizard for so many years that I may as well continue the part a little longer. And now, said Dorothy, how am I to get back to Kansas? We shall have to think about that, replied the little man. Give me two or three days to consider the, consider the matter, and I'll try to find a way to carry you over the desert. In the meantime, you shall all be treated as my guests. And while you live in the palace, my people will wait upon you and obey your slightest wish. There is only one thing I ask in return for my help. Such as it is, you must keep my secret and tell no one I am a humbug. They agreed to say nothing of what they had learned and went back to their rooms in high spirits. Even Dorothy had hoped that the great and terrible humbug, as she had called him, would find a way to send her back to Kansas. And if he did, she was willing to forgive him everything. End of chapter. Well, yeah, this was an entertaining little chapter. He did turn out to be a humbug. He didn't know any wizardry at all. He just came down the same as she had. And he became king. Now, what I wonder about is why wouldn't Oz... Oz has all the motivation in the world to kill these four people, to eliminate them, basically, because these four are the only reason that he has had to face a threat to his to his king, kingdom. And now, with the Wicked Witch of the West gone, he's consolidated power. Why he himself could become an evil wizard, or at least a wizard that rules with tyranny, because the tyranny of the West was what kept the people afraid. Now, if he 
forces these people away he can basically get everyone else to do what they what he wants besides what's up with the green shades man got to update your wardrobe every once in a while end of recording